Want to learn how to see and share Jesus from all the scripture? Learn with us at the Christ Centered and Clear podcast. Welcome to the Christ Centered and Clear podcast. I'm your host, Nate Aiken. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to invite you to join us for our next Christ Centered and Clear conference on Saturday, October 21st in St. Paul, Minnesota. We will focus on how to see and share Jesus from the book of Hebrews. And the book of Hebrews is our focus uh, for the podcast for the next few months as we're going to work our way uh, just week by week through each passage, connecting the work of Jesus to the promises of God made in the Old Testament. Joined again today by John Aiken and Josh Redberg. Uh, last week, we looked at the opening three verses of Hebrews and how they set the stage for what is to come. John, uh, anything you would uh, do to summarize uh, the author's argument in the rest of the chapter? Yeah, I mean, the, the argument is very simple that he's saying Jesus is superior to the angels, that the Son yeah. is superior to the angels, and he uses a number of Old Testament quotations and citations to to prove that point. It's amazing that this is written, you know, 2,000 years ago, but has such a needed application for today. Josh, I'll jump to you then. Obviously, John's pointed out the chapter focused heavily on Jesus' superiority to the angels. What are some popular misconceptions about angels in our day? Well, I remember C.S. Lewis in Screwtape Letters, he said this about angels. In Scripture, the visitation of an angel is always alarming. It has to begin by saying, fear not. But the angel in our work looks as if it's going to say they're there. And I think that's the, I think that's, that's how we see, you know, angels presented. When I was growing up, I, there were, you know, shows like Highway to Heaven, um, where apparently angels wore leather jackets, drove cool cars and, uh, <laughs> you know, and had like long curly hair or touched by an angel where yeah. an angel is there, um, which actually is creepier the further you get from it, just the title. But it's like the angels there to just help with like all of these little problems you have. And it's just simply not the the biblical picture, right? I mean, right. you do have people falling down as if dead. They're terrified. They're hiding. Like it was a, it was awe inspiring. Um, I don't know about your, your mom, my mom for a while collected these little ornaments called precious moments. And they all were yeah. like these cherubic angel things. And I mean, like... Like there was just nothing fearful, nothing awe-inspiring. The only thing fearful was my mom if one of us broke them. But there was nothing fearful about the figurines themselves. And I think that has continued as to be sort of the popular view of sort of weak, wimpy, sort of effeminate, um, you know, cherubs that float on clouds, play the harp and wear diapers, which is just <laughs> not at all what you see in the Old Testament. Yep. Don't say so don't get me started on this, but you already went ahead and did that. So let me <laughs> let me just jump in. One, the so the one the word cherubic, which Josh just used, which we use in our parlance to to talk about angelic and think of it like as sweet and kumbaya and whatever. Cherubs, the first time we're introduced to them, are standing outside the Garden of Eden with swords, keeping humanity out. Okay, so yep. this is this is a, a far departure. When Nicolas Cage, who's a great actor, is is portraying an angel, then we've jumped the shark on what on what angels are, and 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 you know, and then potentially committing. I haven't seen the movie. I just know the storyline, like Genesis six, like having a relationship with a woman or whatever. Like, okay, we're we've jumped the shark here, and so angels are in the Bible one 
terrifying to humans. Every single angel we see in the Bible is a is a male uh, that were that is that is mentioned by name. I mean, I think I, I don't know of any exceptions to that. Uh, you have Gabriel, you have Michael, and and so forth. And so, one, they're terrifying, and humans fall in front of them. And two, they point beyond themselves to God and say, "Don't worship us. We're creatures like you. Worship Him." And so that also speaks to how so much more transcendent God is than we are. Um, and so it sets up a lot of things that are happening in this chapter. But yeah, I mean, Josh is exactly right. Like what we have. And then the other misconception is that, that like children who die turn into angels, which I, I don't want to, um, th- that the pain of that is just uh, incredibly difficult. And so I'm not trying to be critical of, families who say that or anything, but that's not what the Bible says. Um, and that's, that's a misconception, right? That yeah. you, you know, you get your wings somehow when you die or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, we, so we've misunderstood angels and exactly what they are and, and to put them in their proper context as Josh has done sets up just how glorious Jesus is. Yeah. John. So thinking even about that statement about, uh, about, you know, children turning angels, that actually undervalues what humans are. I mean, we're jumping mm-hmm. ahead a little bit to chapter two, but chapter two is saying we're a little lower than the angels now, but the future we yeah. have as the sons, as the sons of God, as co-heirs with Jesus, it's better than angels. And so it's actually right. what's meant to be sometimes this sort of sentimental encouragement, um, well-meaning often, but it's actually, you're actually selling selling short the the work of God um and the like his his restoration of humanity. Amen. I'll move uh just to share an anecdote and uh, then get back to some of the seriousness of things y'all brought up which has been good. So we we obviously Josh you have three brothers. There's four Aiken boys. Uh I think our mom is probably going to be pretty close to the throne. She did have <laughs> precious moments figurines and and handbells that she collected. Oh. And since we love to play football in the house, uh, none of those exist anymore. <laughs> and so uh, we, yeah. and I just don't think, and so having said that, I don't think we could have crushed a real angel the way we crushed those precious, precious moments figurines. And so, uh, I mean, one of the things I point out in the tabernacle sermon uh, on the Ark of the Covenant, you have the cherubim who guard the you know entrance mm-hmm. to Eden. They're terrifying. People show up, they get terrified. They're bowing in the presence of Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the ark, which is which is amazing, which I think then mm-hmm. gets to the gravity of what we see uh, in the rest of the chapter, which is these beings do not compare uh, to the Lord Jesus, and He is superior to them. So, walk us through then, Josh, the, the comparison with Jesus and His superiority to, to the angels. Well, I think you just see. I summarized it with sort of three statements. You you know, you could do it a little bit different, but in contrast, throughout this chapter. Um, one is Jesus is the son and angels are worshipers, right? So that's much, much different status right there. Uh, second statement, Jesus is the king and angels are ministers. And then the third is Jesus is the conqueror and angels are servants. And so it, it was my attempt to sort of summarize the contrast that's that's being portrayed in these different Old Testament references is you have, you know, Jesus as son, as king, as conqueror. And you have angels as powerful, as impressive, as 
um, even mysterious as they are, they're worshipers, they're ministers, they're servants. So he is the one on the throne. He's the one who's the object of worship. He's the one ruling and reigning. And what they are is very powerful servants, you know, mm-hmm. where he's the son. And so that's that's how I sort of broke up the chapter and tried to make comparison between uh, Jesus and angels from the texts that are that are um, rehearsed in the rest of chapter one. I love that. I love that um, that layout. The only the only thing I might add would to that threefold. It was a fourth, and and although you could use the king to to cover ten through twelve, but you could also look in ten through twelve that he's creator or that he's eternal, mm-hmm. um, and so he's not a created being. His years have no end. That kind of that kind of thing, which again does go yeah. along with the king the king concept, but I, I absolutely love that. And that shows his distinction from the angels. He's eternal. They're, they're creatures. Um, you could, you could put it that way. Um, and so it just, it shows his loftiness. Yeah. Hmm. Josh, when you preached this, how did you outline the text? Pretty much that way for this one was those sort of three main points and just went back and forth underneath it as, you know, back and forth between, Jesus and the angels. And because like the way he, he weaves all of these in and out. So it, one of that's one of the challenges. It's not like even in his contrasts, like sometimes there's like John was just saying, there's different elements of who Jesus is in his nature that are sometimes directly contrasted, but sometimes only sort of contrast maybe by, by silence. Jesus is like this, clearly the angels aren't. And so that was my best attempt to try to sort of just maybe bring a little structure to all of this. And yeah, that middle point, Jesus is the king and angels are ministers are sort of the most verses. And it, it was a little more general, mm-hmm. the king, like John, John, actually, I remember wrestling through exactly how to get all of those pieces together. So I chose a word like king that it's there, but it, yeah, it, it like incorpor- incorporates a number of things as a way to sort of try mm-hmm. to grab some handles for the people to, to see these contrasts. But it is certainly there with the quotation of Psalm 45. I mean, that, yeah. that is a, a coronation song um, and, and very powerful uh, in terms of the idea of throne, scepter, uh, et cetera. Yeah. Two things that can be sort of debated in the text uh, by scholars. I'll just, we'll jump to those. So verse four says, Jesus inherited a better name than the angels. There's debate about what name he inherited. What do, what do y'all think there? I, I went with son. Um, that that's the that's the name because I think the quotation from Psalm two, you know, today you are my son. Like that seems to be he's he's sort of officially recognizing him as the son. Uh, so I don't think it's it's necessarily Lord or Jesus or a hidden name. I think it's the name Son. You are my son, son. So um, that's the name. That's how I interpret it as the name he inherits is the name of Son. I agree. Mm-hmm. Good. All right. Then the next one is uh, there's certainly question about what does it mean to be begotten by God? There's language of he's the firstborn, even though we know he's not born. He's eternally uh, existent as the second person of the Trinity. Help us think through what the, the language is there. Well, I think it's just it's just language of preeminence and it's not it's not language of origin. It's language of preeminence. Uh, and that, I mean, that's, that's been laid out by scholars many, many times. Um, and so I, I think, I think that's, that's how I would, uh, go after it, um, personally, 
I don't know what Josh did there, but Josh, would you add anything there? Yeah, I, I pictured it for my people. Actually, I, around this time, I was talking to a professor from Southeastern and we were sitting there at lunch and I had, he'd been a professor for a couple of years and I had just seen a picture of him um, sort of at a convocation being sort of officially installed as a professor, as a faculty member. And he's, you know, he got up there and he signed, he signed the statement, um, you know, and they did, they, they, you know, it's part of sort of the celebration. Um, there's all these ceremonial aspects. And I just asked him, I said, well, what was that about? Because I know you've been teaching there the last couple of years. And so he'd been a professor for the entire time, he told me, but that was from the moment when he was appointed officially to the faculty. Um, and so that's how I looked at this idea of sonship. I think what he's saying is almost like this regal celebration where the son is appointed as, as heir. So Jesus, it's not that he wasn't the son of God before then. He didn't, wasn't made the son of God. But Psalm 2 is looking at this, like there is, there is a king who God is going to enthrone over all humanity. He's going to appoint him as the son. Um, so it doesn't change the nature of who he was. It's really an official recognition of this position. Um, so that, that is too, one of the ways I tried to talk about it. I think, too, to that point, I, I think that's a great, great point that you're going to see language that we're going to get to in a couple of weeks, I guess, in chapter two of like being made perfect. And it's like, well, it doesn't mean that he was imperfect before and then he was made perfect. But but be, by virtue of his work, he's accomplished certain things that he had not accom accomplished previously. And I think you see that you do see that, for example, in again, he he's being linked with David here, obviously, with yeah. the quotes from Psalm two and the quotes from some second Samuel seven. He's being linked with David. David was anointed as king. And so he 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 was, you know, the king. He was he was anointed as king, but he wasn't coronated until a certain time yeah. later. Yeah. Um, and I think you see this language in the New Testament, Romans. One, he was declared the son of God empowered by resurrection of the dead. It wasn't that he hmm. didn't have the sonship status before, but the resurrection declares it definitively. Yeah. Hmm. Romans 1, 1 through 4 was one of those spots, John, that I, I went hmm. when I was trying to help people understand this passage. Um, but I, I think, you know, people are afraid sometimes, Christians, of these passages because they're like, oh, it sounds like he was created. Well, read the introduction. Like it's, it's already told us, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's already said he is the exact imprint of the nature of God. Like it's, it's sort of saying like, Hey, here's what you need to understand. It's as clear as can be. So then when you're not sure about how that works out, you go like, well, it's not contrasting what he already told us. Like it fits within there. So don't, don't be fearful about that. Yep. And 10 yep. through Just 12, read the whole context and 10 yeah. through 12, yeah. he ends yeah. with years have no end. He's eternal. He he's the one who created, he was not created. Right. Yeah. So That's he's good. certainly not in yeah. any way diminishing yeah. the deity of Jesus. It's good. Hey, we asked this question in, uh, at least in the intro podcast, we just thought through it a little bit, but here's just an example of where we're going to kind of hit this. There's so many old Testament allusions, references in Hebrews both of y'all, as you preach this text, how much are you drawing on that, pointing that out? I know that's going to be sort of wisdom in the moment. Each person is going to do this a little different, but just try to give general handles to how you're thinking through how much to bring up from the Old Testament as it's cited in the book of Hebrews. So I'll say two, I'll say first, and then and then I obviously want to hear what Josh says. But um, for me, and this may not be right or good or a good, or a good practice or whatever, 
but oftentimes it's in the moment what I feel like I'm going to be most passionate about and therefore I think it's gonna be most engaging to my people. So for example, like let me just That's do good. this right now because I've got a I've got an axe to grind. Um <laughs> there was somebody sent me a thing last week on Twitter, and I have no idea who this person is. So it could they could be the greatest person in the world, but they but they were criticizing this idea that Psalm one is about Jesus. And they're like, that this is eisegesis and blah, 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 and whatever. And and expositors, you have to you have to stick to your passage and you can't import whatever. Blah, blah, blah. So it's just like, listen, <clears throat> I get the whole you've got to deal with the Old Testament and its own whatever. But it's clear that Psalm one and two are a unity. It's clear that the blessed man of Psalm one is the son, the messianic son of Psalm two. There, there is no superscription between Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 that divides it. Psalm 2 is uh, is called in the Western version of the book of Acts, when Paul's preaching at Pisidian Antioch, he says, as the first Psalm says, you are my son, today I have begotten you. There's all kinds of parallel uh, keywords. There's, there's an inclusio that it begins with a it begins with a beatitude. Blessed, blessed is the one. Yep. It ends with a beatitude. So, so Psalm one and two is a unity. Okay, and so it is meant. You are intended to see the blessed man of Psalm one who delights in the Torah as being the the messianic son of Psalm two. Okay, so I, so I would potentially go after that uh, in in a sermon right now because I would just say, listen. And so what that means is he's the one who's faithful to Scripture. He's the one who's meditated on it. He's the one who's delighted in it. And so God has, has, has given him, you know, all, he, he's inheriting the nations and so forth. And if we want to be wise, if we want to, whatever, you know, we've got to be in him, we've got to kiss the sun, uh, lest, you know, lest he be angry. Yeah. So, so, so part of it's going to be what I'm most fired up about and what, what I'm most passionate about. And so I'm, so when I'm doing Hebrews one, I'm certainly going to point out how all of this David imagery of the messianic king is fulfilled in Jesus Psalm 2 Psalm 45 um but but I'm not necessarily going to go back and do listen if 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 your people want all of the background on the old testament quotations and everything have them get Carson and Beale's use of the you know use of the old testament the new testament they go through all of that it's brilliant you don't need to be regurgitating all of that you need to figure out a way to let this serve your preaching and the point of your sermon. Hey, while you're fired up, it, just just because as of we when we're recording this, uh, it's becoming uh, there's a lot on the internet about people unhitching from the Old Testament and them getting obviously rightly criticized for where they've gone with that. We talked about that on this podcast years ago, and so just. It, just, we're not and we're, we're not right. prophets, but and, and we don't and you don't have to be to see that once you begin to reject God's authority or to pick and choose which parts of the Bible are authoritative, that it's it's gonna lead to a slide. That's good. Josh, anything you would add on the Old Testament side of that? I think John hit it. You summarize probably all of it in one sense, you know, short summaries. You might mm-hmm. say things like this first phrase is in verse eight is a quote from Psalm forty five and reiterates a theme of the Old Testament. You know, the son takes the throne, his kingdom will never end. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think you can handle a lot of it just simply like that. This is where it's coming from. This is what it's saying. It's reiterating that. And then you sort of, you do sort of dive in on those points that you think are especially significant, either to the overall point you're making or sometimes just applicationally, 
to the the congregation that you're that you're that you're uh, speaking to. Josh, is there anything you can say right now to fire John up again? Um, I'm pretty sure the Cowboys are going to lose no. the Eagles when they play them. Uh, oh my gosh! Oh, the <laughs> Did it work? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I don't think they will <laughs> actually. You say, John? How are the Vikings doing? <laughs> going to win this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's well. Let's hope. Um, guys, anything else y'all would say on the end of Hebrews one before we get out of here? Uh, we've, we've danced around application, but any final words before we kind of sign off? I would just say too, to, to Josh's point about summarizing is to, is to point out, and I don't think you have to do this in every, every sermon you do in Hebrews, but again, to point out, this would be a people who would know the old Testament and would in some sense, see the old Testament as authoritative. And so he's appealing to them on the, on the basis of their authority to say, look, even within your own scripture that you're holding to, it's telling you that Jesus is superior to these other things that you're putting so much, you know, so much weight in. And so, so, so you, you're able to set that up and say, so he's, you know, we don't have to go through all the context here, but Psalm 45, that he, he talks to the, the Messiah and calls him God. Uh, And so this is anticipating this in Psalm, in Psalm 45. Like, so, so I think, you can do that in a way where you're you're pointing them to this is an authoritative citation from the Old Testament, but you're not having to ex- you don't need to expound Psalm 45 while you're expounding Hebrews one. Mm. Mm. The the final thing I'd say about this is I think that it ends this chapter in such an encouraging way. Verse fourteen says, "Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve those who are going to inherit salvation?" So in cha- verse four, you see mm. Jesus inherits this name superior, but then we also inherit. So there's a sense of sonship mm. for us as well, co-heirs with Jesus. Yep. And then the fact that it says this, like now angels, those powerful beings, so powerful that you're tempted to worship them. They're now being deployed to, to serve you until that point when you fully inherit salvation. And so it's not there so that we start looking around, you know, like who's the angel among us or anything weird like that. It's to say, this is how much God loves us. And this is how secure we are in his hands, that he has an army of angels that he deploys to, to minister to us in ways that we don't understand and don't see and don't recognize so that we will inherit all of the blessings that have come to us through Jesus Christ. I mean, it's remarkably encouraging and hopeful. And I think too there, you could point to specific ways we see this in the Bible. For example, angels shutting the mouths of lions so they don't devour Daniel. Angels carrying Lazarus to Abraham's side when he dies. Like that, I think that picture that Josh has painted is incredibly encouraging and comforting. And 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 so, like again, that the real angels and what's true about them is so much greater than the ways that we have uh, you know, deviated from that in culture that it, it should it should bring hope. We actually ended this sermon. I was yeah. saying um Carrie Underwood's well-known song, Jesus Take the Wheel, just as a way to say that's often how God ministers to his people. It was a powerful moment. Did you um, did you sing it in life. key though? <laughs> I got a little flat at times. Not a great singer, but still powerful yeah, okay. moment. Pitchy dog. Pitchy. <laughs> a little, little, little pitchy in spots. A little pitchy in spots. Well, I think Carrie Underwood's a great place to end the podcast for today. So thank you for listening to the Christ Center and Clear podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and equipped to better understand and share the gospel of Jesus from Hebrews chapter one next week, chapter two, and the first warning about drifting away from Jesus. Make sure to tune in next week. 
Thank you for listening to the Christ Center and Clear podcast. If you have questions, topics, or texts that you'd like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at podcast at ChristCenteredAndClear.com. And please visit us at ChristCenteredAndClear.com for more resources that will help you see and share Jesus from all of Scripture. Scripture.